I'm Jerry Oliveri, and this is the Digital Dialogue Series from the Order of the Golden Rule, a podcast by, for, and about the independent funeral home profession. Our theme this year is What's Your Edge? as we focus on how you can develop and leverage the edge you have over your competition. Today's guest is Charles Castilla of OGR member firm Lakeside Memorial Funeral Home. Charles has worked to develop his edge in a number of different areas, but says no matter what yours is, you have to be passionate about it and always remember why you're in the funeral profession. You have to believe that what you're doing is there to help those families. And if you believe in it and you're doing it because it's coming from your heart, then they will recognize that and that will give you the edge that nobody else will have. From a focus on veterans to storytelling and even discounts on credit card service charges, Charles will discuss the edges he has carved out over the years and how you can implement the ideas that work for you. Stay with us. OGR's Digital Dialogue Series is brought to you by The Dodge Company, the world's largest manufacturer and distributor of preparation room supplies and an OGR endorsed supplier. Learn more at dodgeco.com. That's D-O-D-G-E-C-O dot com. Hi, I'm Jerry Oliveri, your podcast host for OGR's What's Your Edge? Our guest today is Charles Castilla from Lakeside Memorial Funeral Home in Hamburg and West Seneca, New York. So do you go by Charles or Charlie? Charles. Charles, okay. Your funeral home has a history. It opened in 1970 with your father, Anthony. Tell us a little bit about that and why you followed in your family's footsteps. Well, the cool thing about my father, how he opened the funeral home is we, uh, we had a restaurant as well. My dad had gone to school to be a funeral director because um, it's about all he could afford at the time. And his brother was a funeral director. So we had a restaurant. We lived above the restaurant. And my mom sent my dad with some change to go buy milk at a milk machine because it was cheaper than buying it in the grocery store. I don't know how many of you are old enough to remember milk machines. Um, So before he goes to buy the milk, he goes and visits his brother, uh, a different brother. And he's like, come on, we're going to go buy lottery tickets. Well, my dad was embarrassed and he didn't want to tell him he didn't have the money for the lottery tickets. So he used the milk money to buy the lottery ticket. When he got home, my mother was furious with him. I mean, I think she was going to kill him. And because she needed the milk for the formula because my brother was just born. And he won $25,000, which today is like 250. And he used that money to open the, use that money to buy the house and open the funeral home. Well, I hope he went back and got the milk too. Yeah, eventually got the milk. She wasn't as mad at him when he won the (laughs) (laughs) 25,000. Okay, I see you're an Order of the Golden Rule member. Um, we are also. So tell us a little bit about that. How long? And then you mentioned that maybe you were past president. Yeah, I've, I'm past uh, president probably two or three years ago is when I was president of OGR. Um, I, I love being part of OGR, especially the study groups. I'm in a few of the study groups that OGR has. And those have been really awesome because we brainstorm and we support each other and we come up with really creative ideas. When I bought my second location in West Seneca, that those study groups and the members from OGR were invaluable because they helped me coach me what it would be like to have a second location and how to get through that and all the challenges and positives that I would get from having a second location. So it was very, very, very helpful. 
Are there any other study groups or edges you get from to help you above your competition? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because it's a, it's a network, it's a resource and a network of funeral directors. Like when COVID came along, um, a bunch of us were texting each other different ideas. And one of the great ideas I got in the beginning, because New York got hit really hard in the beginning with COVID. Um, a guy, uh, one of the guys texted me, says, hey, I got this great idea from one of my employees, buy uh, plastic uh, shower caps, and then you can place them over the face to, if, when removing them so no air expels anywhere, and you could stop that from happening. And it was a very inexpensive way to protect my employees. So it, there's huge benefits to having that network and being able to share ideas with them, even when you're right. not at meetings, even when you're not at meetings. Just, just right, because you're friends product. and you communicate that way too. Right. Right. Okay. Um, I see you're also an exemplary service award winner. What was that for? A specific project, maybe, or what was involved in earning the award? Um, that had to do. That was a while ago. That was had to do with a service that we did for a family. OGR has this really great program where you um, you send out surveys, and it's a free mm -hmm. service that OGR provides. And you know, being on the board and being a past president, you know, we would look at those surveys, um, and if there were anything that really stood out, uh, the board would vote to say which one was the best ones this year, the top two or three, whatever it would be. And we were kind of family wrote this wonderful letter about the services we provided. And they were, you know, blown away by the, the detail and the little things that we do. And they were really happy for with our services. And it, it carried over when it went in front of the board, they saw it and they do a blind vote. They don't know who gets what letter. They just read the, what letter the family wrote. Right. Um, okay. And, and we ended up winning the award that year, which was awesome. I didn't win that yet, but I used the surveys too. I've been using the surveys for quite a long time. Um, I don't know. I think I've been an OGR member for a long time. But I never did the um, groups that you're talking about, but my friend Pete has. I don't know. Do you know Pete Kabaki at all? Very, very well. He's one of our study group guys. Yeah. He's, he's so I'm very good friends and I travel with him. So I kind of get through him and <laughs> I'm part of your groups. I'll tell you, you definitely got to join one because it's really awesome. It's really awesome. It's it's very intense. It's like doing the um, it's like doing what we do in the breakout sessions at the annual convention, except yeah. on steroids. On steroids, because you're doing it for a day and a half together. Right. It's awesome. Yep. Okay. And I'm a big proponent of the NFDA Pursuit of Excellence Award, and you participate in that, correct? And how long? So we've won nine the NFDA Pursuit of Excellence Award nine straight times. Um, they do a couple levels with that too. There's just the pursuit of excellence awards. And then they have an honorable mention, which is like, they give about 10 or 15 of those out. We received that two years ago. And then last year, um, we actually received the best of the best, which is the, you know, top four or five firms. And it was actually kind of cool how we got that. We, um, in New York state in 2019, uh, they instituted a ban on plastic bags. Mm -hmm. So we, um, we decided to have a funeral for the plastic bag at both of our locations. <laughs> so that was we put out, what kind of turnout. <laughs> so we had about 150 people come and pay the respects. But the reason being is uh, we put a, a plastic bag inside, you know, one of those mini caskets that hold a wine bottle. Uh -huh. um, and we, we put them out in the chapel. <laughs> so we put those out in each funeral home. We put flowers around it. And, um, and if anybody who came 
the pay that we put out a death notice in the paper an obituary in the paper and we wrote a fun kind of obituary about the the demise of the plastic bag and then in the funeral homes we had uh, a video playing that we created through powerpoint of you know all the reasons why ecologically it's good for the environment and why it's a good thing for people to not um, use the plastic bags anymore and then if you came to the wake you got a free uh, cloth bag from the funeral home with our logo on it but you got a free bag to go grocery shopping and most right. people we gave them a couple of them so we went through like 300 bags which was kind of cool well, that's a great idea we also text our families so we stay in touch with them um we text them you know about a few weeks into the funeral to after the funeral to make sure they're okay we do it on the anniversary of the death we do it on their loved one's birthday um we call every family we get on the phone and we call every single family um, before Christmas to let them know that we're thinking of them. Uh, a lot of times we're just leaving a message, but we all sit down, the five funeral directors, we all get together and we, uh, we sit down and make a lot of phone calls. Make a lot of phone calls <laughs> on yep. the busy day. <laughs> yeah. Not on Christmas day. We do it like two weeks before. Yeah. But you still, you're doing 200 something calls. So it's gotta be on a day that you're not busy. Yeah. Or That's sometimes we force it where we can. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because that's taking hours. That's not yep. a half hour. You know, that's right. taking a couple hours times five people. That's 10 hours. Yep. You know? Right. No. Yeah. So that's another I thing we do. Is, to you. Yeah. Well, the, the texting actually has been really, really, real well received. Um, well, ours is and too. We do it. And it's helped us build, uh, really build. I think we've, we're up to between the two locations, we're close to 90 five star reviews. And then probably another 30 on Facebook. So we've we've gotten between Google and Facebook like 120 five-star reviews, which is which awesome. Which is hard to do, which is yeah. really hard to do. So that is um, a great accomplishment for you, you know? So, yep. And we're very active on social media. We're constantly doing a lot of things, helping people, you know, with grief. Sometimes it's just community service things. Um, we, we have something new going every week, uh, constantly doing fun things. Uh, Mother's Day, we did a, a paint the rock. So we had families come in and paint rocks and bring them home to their gardens and put them in their gardens for their mother. Um, we're just and that always, was what, all ages, all ages. Yeah. And we had people, we had seniors, kids, everything. We had a lot of people show up. I can see that. a lot of fathers coming with their kids. This is mommy's present. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> yep. Yep. And it's so it's like it's never ending. It's, and it's in the in the stay that creative is hard. But it's not just like you touched on it earlier. It's not just me. It's all of my team buy into this and they love doing it. And they're coming up with creative ideas on their own. And they're saying, hey, can we do this this year? Yes, let's do it. Come on, let's make it run with it. So yeah. it, it, and once you have everybody passionate about it and everybody buys into it, it's amazing what you can accomplish. It really is. Yes, many hands is lightens the load, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So I want to go on to your cafe that you started when you started it, that it's complimentary to your guests. And has New York allowed food and drink for a long time, or is that something new? So they passed that law. It took effect January of 2017. So in, in both my locations, we made it feel like a, like a kitchen, kind of a kitchen, kind of a Starbucks kind of feel, um, like a kitchen in your home, but kind of have that funky feel with the Starbucks. 
Um, we provide coffee and, um, you know, beverage services, you know, bottles of water and iced tea and lemonade and soda or whatever for people. Um, but then if they want food, you know, we can either have it catered or they can bring it in from, you know, we're just not allowed to prepare food, which is fine by me, as long as we're giving them the opportunity. And it's been used many different ways. Some people just have it as a place for people to go have a snack and, you know, in between while they're there for the calling hours. Other times families have broken up the calling hours and they actually have dinner catered and they have the dinner in between the hours right there at the funeral home. Um, and we've had people use it for after the funerals as a reception area. So it's been really, really well. So how many people can fit in there? Um, in our, in our cafes, they hold about uh, 30, 40 people. Okay. But they're not meant for fit. large crowds. Yeah. And that works well, that kind of. Yeah. And when they yeah. do catering and everything like that, because the people from New Jersey who are listening, I mean, we just uh, started allowing food, I think in 2019, um, I'm one of the, the people who fought to have it changed. And then I just, I'm opening my new funeral home in the next couple of weeks. It'll be, it's completely done. Um, and we have a whole catering hall banquet attached. But for, for those who don't have that room, they have something small like you. Do you charge for them to use the room if they bring catered food in? Um, how do you so do we, we do do a flat fee for the use of the room, no matter what they want to do. So that it's, that covers our expenses with cleaning. We provide right. real China, real China, real silverware. We provide the paper products. All of that stuff is included um, in, in, the, in the small fee that we charge. And then whatever, that way we don't have to worry about, you know, if we have to provide the catering or somebody else has to provide the catering, it just, it makes it easier not to have to worry about that. We do have so catering they, they available. They go and hire the caterer that they want. Yeah, either way, either we can hire the caterer or they can. What's a reasonable fee for something uh, that that size? We charge two hundred dollars. Charge two hundred dollars. So this way, New, the New Jersey people get an idea. You know, are they too low, too high? Where it's all new for us, so this information is like valuable. Uh, so how I do it though, is, but they're, if they're doing it separate, like if they're doing something separate, we actually charge 600. So um, like if it's part of the visitation and they want to use the facility, then we charge a, a small fee, that $200. Um, and I actually got this idea through OGR guys. I, I called all my OGR friends. I said, Hey, how are you guys handling this in your neck of the woods? And everybody sent me their stuff. And this is how I decided to do it based on some of the recommendations they had. So how is, so the $600 fee is what, if it's like the next day or if it's not part of a funeral? I'm, I'm well, like if it's after the funeral, so we're outside of the range. More like of, a repass. Yeah. And then yet the coffee and the drinks and all that without the fee is, is free as people come and go. Right. Yeah. There's no check. They all charge have access yeah. to the room for that then. Yeah. Okay. Um, also, I wanted to talk to, since you mentioned OGR again, <laughs> But I want to ask you about how you help people get a better percentage with the Amex you had helped in the past. How did that start and how, what was it through? And my, my brother and I started a company uh, that we uh, recently sold and it was, uh, we decided to do credit card processing and be very, very aggressive for the funeral industry. Um, the one bad thing for me was, I mean, we were doing great. We were saving every funeral director that we talked to a lot of money. Um, but the problem was it was taken away from me running the funeral homes. It was just too much to try to have two different hats. And uh, so I, I decided it was 
time to move on to the next thing and just still focus on the funeral homes. And our funeral homes have grown dramatically. I think we've grown from, in just the last five years, we've grown from 125 calls to 225 calls in five years. So oh, we're really aggressive. Yeah, thanks. We're going to take a quick break. And when we return, Charles is going to tell us about his, him being the representative for Veterans Funeral Care. Stick with us. Some cases are painful. Some test every ounce of skill and experience and patience. But honestly, could you imagine doing anything else in this world? The family-owned and operated Dodge Company has been helping you make all the difference to your families since 1893. Dodge Cosmetics are the most widely used in the field and have been made by hand since the very beginning. We are proud to be an OGR endorsed supplier offering freight discounts to all OGR members. Learn more at shop.dodgeco.com. That's shop.dodgeco.com. Welcome back. I'm Jerry Oliveri, your OGR podcast host for What's Your Edge? Today's guest is Charles Castilla from Lakeside Memorial Funeral Home in Hamburg and West Seneca, New York. So Charles, talk about your being the representative for the veteran funeral care and let us know what's involved with that and how it started. So um, I'm not a founding member of Veteran Funeral Care. Veteran Funeral Care is a network of 150 funeral homes throughout the country uh, that really focus on services for veterans. Um, it was started by Jim Rudolph down in Tampa, Florida. Um, Veteran Funeral Care recently partnered with OGR. I made the connection for the two so that they could work together. Um, it's a great, great program. They helped us institute a lot of things to help us build our relationship with the veterans and do things that are extra special for them. Like we donate flag park benches to the different um, American legions and VFWs. We got that idea from them. Uh, we do the retire the flag program, which is a really great program. We have uh, people bringing their flags that are tattered and torn and worn. Uh, to be retired, but instead of retiring them in just a, a burning ceremony, um, we, we uh, drape the flag over a veteran who's going to be cremated or buried. This is all approved by the VA administration. We clip a star for the family to keep in memory of them. And then this gives that flag one last patriotic duty and that veteran one additional honor that they wouldn't have had otherwise. So that's a program. And that so this flag, because I want to understand it better, is on a, a, a cremation box that's going to the crematory that may not necessarily be a veteran because the ones who are veterans have their own flags? No, 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 this is different. So, so American legions have people donate the flags that are gonna get burned right. because they're worn out. They're worn out flags. So we're not talking about the burial flag. We're not talking about the draped burial flag. We're talking about the flags that are gonna be retired. So when you retire a flag, you can either burn it or bury it because it's worn and you can't fly it anymore. So what, with permission of the VA administration, Veteran Funeral Care set up this program, retire your flag with honor. And how this works is we take a flag that's to be retired. We drape the veteran inside the cremation container with the Got flag. Got it. And then when they're cremated, that flag is retired with him as he's cremated. Right. So these are flags that people may have on their flagpole or wherever outside their house. They get tattered and they're exactly. the ones getting retired. 
Yes, exactly. So now, does it go directly to your funeral home and they can bring them to you or only to the, you get them from the different posts? No, we actually, people, we have uh, uh, barrels at our funeral home. They, they bring us to, they bring them right to the funeral home and they, they drop them off at our drop-offs uh, barrels at the funeral home at both our locations. So I've seen it where my church has, um, it looks like an old mailbox, you know, the old kind that you used to put the mail in. And it's painted with the flag and the red, white, and blue and everything. And people at church put their retired flags in there. Do you have something like that so people know where to put the retired flag? Yeah, we have a huge barrel. I mean, I mean a big barrel with our with a with a wrap that we put on it about the retire the flag program. And it was featured on MSNBC, I think, in two thousand seven. Uh, I don't remember the year that was featured on MS, MSNBC, but they featured it on MSNBC. Um, and I'll tell you, a little box, a mailbox wouldn't handle the volume of flags we get. We get hundreds of flags. Every, yeah, this all, is um, an old post office, you know, the big one. Yeah. Put your mail yeah. in and go to the post office. Yeah. Like your idea. And then you just have a wrap on it. So yep. but now are you near a veteran cemetery too? Are you, is there a national cemetery or a state cemetery close to you? Yeah, there, there was one that was about two and a half hours away that's basically full now. And they just recently built a brand new one um, that just opened up January 1st. Uh, and that is about 35 minutes away from our locations. Okay. And it's a beautiful cemetery. We, do, we actually do, besides the veteran funeral care, we do a lot with the National Cemetery. But I'd like to come back to that because that's a different topic. Okay. Um, the other thing we do with Veterans Funeral Care is they have a national toy drive program called uh, Operation Toy Soldier. And it's a, it's a way to help some veterans things that get missed. I mean, there's toys for tots that the Marines do and things like that, but we actually found a niche that we partnered with at our, in our town in the city of Buffalo uh, called the Veterans Administration um, for the Homeless. So it's a VA program for the homeless. And this program, they are helping veterans get health care, housing, jobs for people that are homeless. So with the toy drive, I'm, this is unique to me compared to the other veterans funeral cares because they have other systems of distributing the toys. But I decided to pick this place to distribute the toys because there's literally hundreds of kids that are in this program where their families can't afford to buy toys for Christmas. And nobody's taking care of this for them because it's not on anybody's radar. Um, we've, Below the we help, right. And we help hundreds of kids every year. Um, and one of the things I did to really make this take off is there is a car dealership in our area who has a medal of honor winner as their spokesperson. And they actually partnered with us and they started advertising very heavily uh, through their radio and their TV advertising with the Medal of Honor winner uh, to have people donate toys either at their car dealership or my two locations. And we are now collecting close to 3,000 toys a year. Wow. Uh, which is huge, huge numbers. And um, not only are we collecting those kind of toys, we're not only distributing now to those kids in the homeless program, but the Air Force Base, there's a Air Force, major Air Force Base that's not too far from us. They do a Christmas party for those kids, 250, 300 kids, and they never got any toys with the Christmas party. Not that they necessarily need it, but a lot of those kids' parents are overseas on active duty. So we bring toys for them now, too. 
so we've expanded who we're giving the toys to because we're just doing so well. And what's really cool, we, we've made this suggestion to some families and it's been amazingly received. We mentioned to families that, you know, if they want a little flowers and they don't have a charity that they were thinking of, maybe they would consider uh, offering, doing an unwrap, people bring an unwrapped toy instead of making a donation to the funeral home. And we just did it uh, Saturday with a family. Their father, their mother, there were no veterans in the family, but they liked the idea so much to help those homeless kids that they put in the paper in lieu of flowers, please bring an unwrapped new toy for Operation Toy Soldier. And I think we collected something like 200 toys Saturday. All right, so you do it all year round and then you just store yep. the toys and do yep. it. That's great. And then over 3,000, that's, that's really impressive. Um, you know, we touched on the Veterans Cemetery. I'd like to go back to that one because that's actually sure. something really cool. Um, so when they started building the National Cemetery, um, I got out ahead. Veteran Funeral Care has this ad uh, where you show the average price of a funeral, of a, of a grave, average price of an opening, average price of a burial vault, average price of a stone for a husband and a wife. And I think it, come, it came up to around $12,600, something like in our area. And then we showed what the National Cemetery would be for that veteran would be zero. So they literally have a savings of 12,000 for a husband and wife for the veteran services, for the burial services, which is kind of cool. That helped us generate a ton, I mean, a ton of pre-arrangements. Even though the cemetery didn't open up for two years, we had veterans pre-arranging their funerals with us like crazy to help them go into that cemetery. Ironically, um, we've had families call us saying, oh, we had a funeral at such and such place, but we couldn't, um, they didn't know how to do the paperwork to go into the national cemetery. So we end up doing it for them, even though we didn't handle the funeral, which is also builds more relationships with the veterans. Right, and then the next time anyone in the family will call you, yeah. So right. that's, we and then, have the national cemetery close to us, that's um, Arlington for us. But we have yeah. cemeteries by us, and we use them very often. I mean, uh, eight out of 10 funerals, we're going to the veteran cemetery. Well, so we partnered with the cemetery now individually. This isn't part of veteran funeral care. We found out who the, the director was going to be, and we actually went and met with him. And he came from Indian Town Gap in Pennsylvania, um, which is a national cemetery in Pennsylvania. And then he, so there's two national cemeteries in the country that have an avenue of flags that are approved by the VA administration, the cemetery administration, um, Indian Town Gap and one in South Dakota. And the, they've created an avenue of flags for families to drive through when they're pulling into the cemetery. Wow, beautiful. And, and the guidelines for those flags is they have to be donated and they can only be the brand new burial flags that were placed on a casket and used for a veteran. So we have to, we've been promoting and advertising um, it through our funeral home for people to donate the burial flags that they received for their veteran to play, put up in this national cemetery. And we got approval. So now this is the third cemetery that it's allowed with. We got approval from the national, the VA uh, cemetery division. So we got, so I think- does that flag fly for or until it gets tattered or yeah until it gets tattered they last and maybe then it a gets replaced yeah, and it has to be replaced and then we yes, retire cotton. the flag then we retire the flag um and and you know they can't use nylon flags they can't use no, everybody flags. it has to be these burial yeah. flags mm -hmm. but the beauty of it is we've actually i think um 
we've actually gotten now over 30 flags donated. We actually, one of my funeral directors that works for us is on the committee for the cemetery. They built the poles. They put, we put the poles up. Um, we put the flags up for them. We take them down for them. Um, it's really been an amazing thing that we've done with them. That is. That is. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Charles, tell us about Officer Laner's funeral. Um, we had, uh, in 2017, a funeral for a police officer who died in a training accident. Um, he actually, from the city of Buffalo, but he actually lives about an hour away from my funeral home. And what the family, he was, he was passionate about driving motorcycles and um, he was a veteran. And so somebody who knew him uh, suggested that if you wanted to have a funeral with a funeral that really is excellent with veterans and also has their own motorcycle hearse, you got to call this funeral home. So the, his mother, because he wasn't married, comes with the police, the Buffalo Police Department to meet with us. And they were, she's like, this is where I want it. It's on the lake. It's by the water. Uh, you got the motorcycle hearse. I don't care about anything else. They take cater to veterans. I want to be at this funeral home. So my motorcycle hearse that we have that um, my father-in-law built for me, uh, we didn't do one from Tombstone. We, we built it ourselves uh, because it was a lot less expensive than buying one um, yeah. out there. I'd probably say, I think the Tombstones one are probably about a hundred grand, 120 grand. Mm -hmm. And I exactly think did, right. I think we did ours for around 50. That's a great so, savings. <laughs> yeah, it was, and it's it's beautiful. It's uh, it, it works great. Anyway, so we we handled his funeral and we got it because of the motorcycle hearse and because of our relationship with the veterans. And the funeral was the they think it might be the biggest funeral we ever had in the city of Buffalo. There were eight thousand people <gasps> at the service. Wow. Uh, we did the service in the where the Buffalo Sabers play in the hockey arena, and then from the. It was probably about three miles from the um, arena to the uh, cemetery, and the streets were literally lined with people. There had to be 50,000 people lining the streets, holding those blue line flags um, mm -hmm. in the pouring rain. My son rode the mo drove the motorcycle in the pouring rain. I give him a lot of credit. He's a great kid um, to do that, but it was really something powerful so we 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 put we actually bring the motorcycle hearse and our regular hearse to car shows you'd be surprised how many people want to take a look at a regular hearse like they'll literally want to open the doors and look at it they won't do it at a funeral because they don't want to be disrespectful but if you're in a setting of a car show great idea people love it and we put the two hearses side by side so the motorcycle hearse and the and the cadillac hearse and then people want to take pictures on the hearse so we let them sit on it take pictures and it's really kind of cool all right, we're going to take a break and we'll be back with Charles Castilla and we'll see you just stick around with us. Education is in our roots at the Dodge Company. Shortly after acquiring their first embalming chemical company in the late 1800s, one of the Dodge brothers started traveling the country teaching men and women across the United States how to embalm. A few years after that, they purchased an embalming school to broaden their work. Education remains important to us today, supporting Golden Rule Funeral Homes through contributions toward OGR continuing education and professional development programming. Learn more at dodgeco.com. That's D-O-D-G-E-C-O.com. Hi, I'm Jerry Oliveri. 
I'm your OGR podcast host for What's Your Edge. Today's guest is Charles Castilla from Lakeside Memorial Funeral Home in Hamburg and West Seneca, New York. I want to talk about the butterfly release. We do a butterfly release uh, every year in the summer. Uh, release. We had about 500 people show up this year for our butterfly release. Each family gets to release a butterfly. We have music. We do a presentation on the significance of the butterfly and and that's really been a great program. We do a holiday program. Go ahead. You do that in the summer and you, you invite yeah. everyone you did for that past year? Well, actually we go back three years. And the reason we do that, years. yeah. And the reason we do that is because a lot of times the people that just had the loss, it might be too soon. Too soon. And they're not ready. So we, we go back three years to give them the opportunity. Um, we one butterfly per name? One butterfly per family, yeah. Okay, so you do like a whole ceremony. You do this at your funeral home? Yep, right at our funeral home. We do okay. the ceremony inside and then we all move outside and we do the butterfly release in our garden area. Wow, you have a garden area. Do you have a butterfly bush? Uh, we we have some flowers that attract butterflies, but not a butterfly bush, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they like them. Yeah, they're in a lot of gardens, like um, memorial gardens, because they like to see the butterflies yeah. in there. And stuff well, the like beautiful that. thing is we're helping the environment because we're helping restock the butterfly population, which is a good thing. So the which monarchs. butterflies would be for our area? The monarch? We do the monarchs, yeah. The orange and black ones, right? Yeah, and they're big and they're beautiful. Like you do a ceremony? Does anybody else speak? Like, do you have music? We have, we have music. Um, we'll have a minister come in and do a blessing or a priest do a blessing. Um, and then usually one, me or one of our funeral directors will do the presentation that particular time. All right. And then we do- I'm getting, the, I'm, I'm getting a lot of good ideas from you. <laughs> okay, well, well- We end up, I think we ended up releasing for our butterfly release something like 300 butterflies. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it was expensive too. Yeah, because <laughs> I just ordered worth them. It. Yeah, it was worth it. Yeah. It was absolutely worth it. And then around before, th before Thanksgiving, we do a, a holiday program where we, we hand them information on how to get through the holidays. And mm -hmm. we do a candle lighting ceremony where we light a candle for each type of relationship, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, if you lost a parent, if you lost a child, if you lost a sibling. Um, and we turn off all the lights in the funeral home. We light the, the we have a main uh, thing with five or six candles for each of the relationships and then we have people the front row light from that and then they pass the light back to everybody and then the room lights up as they're passing the the flame onto each other and it shows people that you know in the darkness of your grief you think you're alone and you're really not and then if you actually start sharing it with other people and rely on other people it brings all this light into the room and up breaks away the darkness so that's a wonderful program too. We give everybody an ornament to hang on their tree and is uh, is a gift um, in memory of the person that they lost. We have our, our Christmas trees at the funeral home. We got two big Christmas trees we put up and all the names for the families that register for the holiday program, they get a name to hang on our tree, which is really kind of cool. So we make it with a ribbon and a nice laminated uh, name tag and we place them on the tree and then any other funerals we have for that year also go on the tree so it's it's pretty beautiful thing it's a wonderful thing so the two are connected yeah the two programs so the holiday programs with the trees and stuff and the ornaments do you give that out prior in the november one that you're talking about 
Yeah, we do it in November because we want to try to get them the help to deal with the holidays before Thanksgiving. Before it happens. Yeah, we do this all in November, but even though we put our Christmas trees up and everything in November because we want them to have the head start on the holidays and give them a chance to try to process. And then you just leave them up all the way through to maybe like January or something. Yep. Yep. To the first and are the candles all different colors? No, they're just we just do those like yeah, they're well, they're yeah, they're just those are like long tapered candles that we have in the in a in a floral display like you would have as a centerpiece. Um, and then the candles that everybody holds are like those church ones with the yes. candle sticking through the cup. Mm-hmm. So it catches the wax and we don't yeah. have to clean it too much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then also we wanted to ask you about your life story guardian. Um, so this came out of OGR again. Uh, there was a speaker at one of the annual conventions. The guy was named Matthew Pollard. And he wrote a book called The Introvert's Edge. And he was just talking about how people have a hard time conveying what they do and doing it in a way that's meaningful that it will connect with people. So we talked, I got to talk with him in a work session after he did his presentation. And he really helped me come up with this idea of the Life Story Guardians. Um, And we started, we've been doing this now for a long time, probably seven, eight years. And what we do is, we'll do an exercise together. You don't know me, you meet me for the first time and you're going to ask me what I do for a living. And we'll play this through and I'll, sh- I'll show you how it works. Oh my God, am I going to embarrass myself? <laughs> no, absolutely not. You're going to ask okay, me, what do you do right. for a living? <laughs> <laughs> Hi Charles, what do you do for a living? I'm a life story guardian. What's that? Right, that's what everybody's going to ask. What's that, right? Because nobody knows has ever heard of what a life story guardian is. Well, I'm actually a funeral director who helps families secure, safeguard, and share their loved one's life story to help them through the grieving process. What I mean by secure, safe, uh, secure is I ask them for their uh, by I ask them for their life story, safeguard it, we write it down, and then we share it on our website, on the, in the programs at the funeral home. Um, all over, all over the place. And this has become very, very, very powerful. Um, some people say, ah, oh, we're unique. We share people's story, but they really don't. This is, this is, we spend three hours in arrangements with families at a minimum, sometimes as much as four or five hours. And you would think like, oh my God, that's so long, but it's not long to them because they're talking about the person that they love so dearly. And the vast majority of the arrangement is just sharing that person's story. We take notes and then we write up the story and it's not an obituary. It's not a death notice. It's a conversational piece. And then what we try to do is once we get that, is we come up with some little gift that everybody that comes to the funeral home can have in memory of that person. And it's powerful. Uh, I got one of my, I got two really good stories that really illustrate this. One story was we had a lady who loved Gone with the Wind. That was everything. She loved the movie. It was everything. And, you know, we got TVs in our funeral home, flat screens up where we do the slideshows and all that other stuff. But she never liked having her picture taken. So we decided to put the movie Gone with the Wind up on the the TVs, which was really kind of cool. Then the other thing is that she loved jigsaw puzzles. So we decided to buy a jigsaw puzzle and we found one from Gone with the Wind. And we put all the pieces in a bowl with the box behind it. And we invited people after they read the story to take a piece of the puzzle, just as she had a piece of your heart. 
That was very nice. So people love taking these things. So at the end of the night, the daughter comes up to me. She goes, Charles, can I have the remaining pieces of the puzzle? Yeah, I'm going to give them to you. No problem. She goes, can I have the box? I go, yeah, you can have the box. She was good. I go, well, what are you going to do with the puzzle pieces? Well, she goes, I'm going to put the puzzle together. I go, wait a second. You, we just had 75, 80 people come through the funeral home. You're missing 70, 80 pieces to the puzzle. How are you going to put it together? She goes, no, no, I'll do it. I'm going to put the puzzle together and then I'm going to frame it. I'm going to hang it up in my house next to my mom's picture. And when I look at that puzzle and I see all the pieces missing, that's all the lives my mother touched. Wow. She's right. My favorite one was we had a guy who was a police officer. Uh, he coached Little Loop football in our community for years and years and years. And when he retired from being a police officer, he wanted to do something more in the community with kids. So he opened up a toy store in an old train station. So we're going through this thing and we're trying to figure out, you know, what, what can we do The kind of, what kind of gift could we give everybody that would, you know, resonate with them. And we came up with a whistle. Uh, back in the day, the police used to, you know, notify other police that there was something going on by blowing a whistle. You see it in the old movies and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. so there's the police whistle. Uh, then a coach has a whistle and it's a toy. So it literally, we found one thing that kind of cut across all three oh. aspects of his life. Right. Mm-hmm. So at the funeral, um, we handed out the whistles and we, and then on the notice, you know, on the, at the sign where we had the life story said, take a whistle. We also said, please bring the whistle with you to the cemetery. So when we got to the cemetery, we had everybody blow the whistle as one last tribute. I wasn't thinking though, we were in a mausoleum and that's all hard services indoors. It, my ears were ringing for like two days, <laughs> but that's not, that's not the best part of the story. The best part of that story comes about six months later. Um, six months later, I ran into his wife at a grocery store and she came up to me and she goes, Charles, and she gives me, she's crying and she gives me this big hug. And she goes, I want to thank you for the grief books you send me. Uh, and he said, well, so we send grief books through the Doug Manning series from mm -hmm. insight books. And so one month, three months, six months, and 11 months to stay in touch with the family and help them through the grieving journey. Anyway, she goes, but that's not the most important thing I want to tell you. Thank you for it. She says, I got to thank you for that whistle. I go, well, why? What was so special about the whistle? She goes, look, my kids live in the area. They got their kids. And in the beginning, they were over my house every day, checking on me and everything. But you know what? The kids had dance lessons and piano lessons and football and baseball practice and gymnastics. And they got back to their busy schedules. And I now was left alone, not intentionally, just the way things are. And I would wake up every morning dreading to get through the day because I didn't have my husband to go through the day with me. So what I do is I take that whistle and I put it next to my bed on the bed stand and I get up in the morning, I put my feet on the floor, I sit on the edge of the bed, I take that whistle and I blow it and I know that he's going to be with me the rest of the day. Oh, that is nice. That is very, very nice. And I bet they use it during um, sentimental moments too. We like she yep. wears it. He's not saying, but I bet you she wears that whistle too at certain times. You know, yeah. you feel close to him. Yep. And then and I can, I mean, we've done this for thousands of families now, and it's just like it's so powerful. Those are just two stories. I mean, I could go, we could go for two hours. I could tell you story after story. So how many people are on the team that kind of try and think of what that object should be that you want to give out to be the their guardian? Um, you have like a whole creative process. So we have, um, you know, we have 
I have four funeral directors that work for us. I have um, uh, three full-time support staff and then a bunch of part-time people, but everybody participates because they want to help make it special. It's even gotten to the point where, you know, my staff is cut making custom laminate bookmarks for the families. If the guy was in, you know, was a reader and we would put his favorite quote on there. Um, they really are into it. They love it. It's, yeah. it's something. I guess because it's so rewarding, they see how much people appreciate it and use it to not getting tossed in the garbage, you know? Right. And right. It's meaning to them. So it, to be able to, it's very gratifying to know that you helped with that. And there, it's not expensive things. The whistles we got at, you know, Hobby Lobby or something for like, you know, a bag of them for 10 bucks, you know, a bag of 30 of them for 10 bucks. They're not super expensive. No. You know, it's, it's just, the it's price. the thought. It's, the, yeah. yeah, exactly. The it's the thought and the meaning behind it. And it's, it's sentimental at that point. Yeah. So we put, we put them up, all the stories on our website. So if you click on, you know, any of the funerals, you could read that person's life story. They're not super long but they capture the essence of who that person was and what made him special to their family. What's the website? So we go look. Lakesidefuneralhome.com. Lakesidefuneralhome.com. All right. Well, we want to thank you, Charles, for joining us today, but we have one last question for you. What's your edge? Uh, our, my edge in our community is our creativity. Coming up with these very personal ways of doing things, doing things that are off the wall, like the funeral for the plastic bag, the toy drive, partnering with other businesses, which nobody does in the funeral industry, uh, doing things that nobody else really does and catering to people in a very specific way that, um, and it takes a lot of creativity and it takes a lot of effort and everybody has to have buy-in. I will tell you this, I've had funeral homes in my community, copy an idea here, copy an idea there. And families will say, They've been to that funeral home. They did this thing that you did, but it didn't feel the same. It felt kind of fake. You have to believe that what you're doing is there to help those families. And if you believe in it and you're doing it because it's coming from your heart, then they will recognize that. And that will give you the edge that nobody else will have. Great. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the Digital Dialogue Series. You can find this and every episode in the OGR Learning Library at ogr.org slash library. That's ogr.org slash library.